This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith, and I will be your host today. This is episode 292, entitled, The Markin Jesus' Use of I Am He. Yes, we're continuing in our ongoing study of this very important self-declaration, I Am He, which in Hebrew is Anihu, and in Greek is Egoimi. So in this week's episode, we're going to continue our study. Now, we began about four weeks ago by looking at this important self-designation that Yahweh makes when he says, I am he. And we saw that this statement emphasized Yahweh as a single person, because Anihu in Hebrew has two singular pronouns, and it also stressed Yahweh's unrivaled position as the only true God. And we trace this phrase throughout the Old Testament, looking in both the Hebrew sections and in the Aramaic sections, just to be as completely thorough as we could. And we found that in most of the occurrences, Yahweh was the speaker of this self-designation, I am he. However, we also took note that King David said, I am he. And also, Daniel told King Nebuchadnezzar, you are he, indicating that this particular self-designation was not strictly reserved for Yahweh alone. Human beings, as we indicated with David and Nebuchadnezzar, could be referred to with this phrase, I am he, in a casual manner of referencing themselves, or in the case of Nebuchadnezzar, with Daniel referencing Nebuchadnezzar. Nobody thought that it was sinfully blasphemous for David, a human being, to say, I am he. He was never accused of encroaching on Yahweh's unique position. Now, we also looked last week at several Jewish sources after the destruction of the temple, and we observed that this particular distinction was maintained among the learned and pious rabbis of Judaism. These rabbis continued to depict Yahweh as saying, I am he, in an effort to refer to his oneness of person and his exclusive position as the only true God. And the rabbis also would themselves quite casually say, I am he, in order to indicate in their conversations that I am the person you are talking about. It is me. I am that guy. So this week's episode we'll turn to the New Testament, and we'll begin by looking at our earliest gospel account, the gospel according to Mark. Our goal in this week's episode is to take this context, the context that we laid out from both the Hebrew Bible and from the common usage by the Jewish rabbis, and to set this context within the statements of the Mark and Jesus, where he himself says the phrase, I am he, which in Greek is egoimi. So we're able to actually set the Gospel of Mark and the statements of Jesus in their proper Jewish context. How would people reading the Gospel of Mark, being influenced by Judaism, being influenced 
by the text of the Hebrew Bible have understood these statements coming out of his mouth. Our goal is to determine whether Jesus, by saying, I am he, was making a direct claim to be Yahweh himself. So the Gospel of Mark portrays Jesus as saying, I am he, which again in Greek is egoimi, on three separate occasions. Is the Mark and Jesus teaching readers that he is Yahweh, the only true God? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at God and Jesus according to the Gospel of Mark. So we indicated in our earlier studies of I am he that two different types of individuals can make this claim in a legitimate way that was unchallenged. Yahweh could say, I am he, and human beings could say, I am he, as a casual self-reference. Now, when the human beings would say, I am he, and that included King David or the various Jewish rabbis, it was clear in the context of that conversation that they weren't claiming to be Yahweh, they weren't blaspheming, they weren't sinning, they were just saying, it is I, I'm the person you're talking about. And it's completely obvious in the context that that is what it means. It is a casual self-reference. And in the case of King David, David was actually talking to Yahweh. And so it's clear that the two figures are distinguished. So it's important for us at the beginning of our study of the Gospel of Mark to look at the figures of God and Jesus and to see, does the Gospel of Mark portray the two of them as distinguished figures, or does Mark collapse God and Jesus into a single being? Let's look at the evidence. Starting in chapter 1, verse 11, we have the voice from heaven at the baptism of Jesus. The voice came out of the heavens saying, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. That's Mark 1, verse 11. So here we have the voice of God indicating to Jesus that Jesus is God's Son. Clearly, this would indicate that God, the speaker, is the Father, because Jesus is the Son of this Father. The two are clearly distinguished. A few verses later, we have Jesus encountering a possessed person who says to Jesus, Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That's Mark 1, verse 24. Here, this person has supernatural knowledge of Jesus' messianic identity, and he regards Jesus as God's Holy One, the Holy One of God. And this designation, Holy One of God, indicates that Jesus is distinguished from God because he is God's Holy One, not God himself. We have a similar declaration by the unclean spirits in chapter 3, verse 11. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, saw Jesus, they would fall down before him and shout, You are the Son of God. And that, of course, is the correct Christological understanding that Mark wants the readers to actually have. That's a declaration that Peter makes climactically in the middle of the gospel, and that's the declaration that Jesus affirms at his trial at the end of the gospel. 
And so in Mark 3, verse 11 here, we actually have a summary statement. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down and they would shout, you are the son of God. So this is something that Mark is indicating to the readers that happened quite often. It would happen repeatedly. And they would acknowledge that Jesus bears a title that distinguishes him from God. Jesus is God's son, someone who is distinguished from God. We can see more of this in chapter 5, verse 7, where those that are possessed come out and say, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you, by God, do not torment me. That's Mark chapter 5, verse 7. Again, Jesus is called the Son of God, specifically the Son of the Most High God. And what's interesting here is that the demonized person actually implores Jesus by God to not torment him. So even this person with the supernatural knowledge of who Jesus is supernaturally distinguishes Jesus from God. Much is absolutely clear. And that's one of the interesting themes of the Gospel of Mark is that the demons, the unclean spirits, and the demonized persons, they have this correct understanding of who Jesus is. He is the messianic son of God. Let's look at some of the things that Jesus himself said. So in Mark chapter 8, verse 38, Jesus said, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. That's Mark 8, 38. So Jesus is identifying himself as the Son of Man, and he distinguishes himself from the Father, and in doing so, he describes the father as his father. His father, meaning that the father is the father of the son of man. That much seems to be fairly obvious. That's what Jesus is claiming here. So Jesus distinguishes himself from God, who is the father of the son of man. And of course, from the holy angels that belong to the father. Of course, we have the famous passage where someone comes up to Jesus and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit the life of the age to come? And in Mark 10, verse 18, Jesus responds to him by saying, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Mark 10, 18. And in the Greek, it's much clearer. It says, No one is good except for one person, God. So Jesus defines God as a single person, making him a good Jewish monotheist, and of course Jesus is denying that he is good in the way that God is good. And in doing so, he distinguishes himself from God in that way. He reserves the designation good for only one person, namely God, and Jesus is quite clearly distinguishing himself from that particular person. Now, we have the famous passage where Jesus reaffirms the Shema as the greatest commandment, the scribe comes to Jesus in Mark 12, 28 and asks him, what commandment is foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now the scribe responds to him in a way that they agree, and he says, right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one and there is no one else besides him. So that's in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 32. 
So Jesus describes God as one person, reaffirming the Shema from Deuteronomy 6.4. And then the scribe comes along and indicates, yes, it's true. God is one. God is one person. And there's no one else besides him. Jesus doesn't correct him and indicate that actually God is three. Jesus does not correct the scribe and try to indicate that he himself is Yahweh, the God of Israel. What is said by the scribe is affirmed as true. God is only one person. There's no one else besides him. Jesus is someone who is distinguished from this one God. He's already said that earlier in Mark 10, 18. Therefore, Jesus is distinguished from the true God. And Jesus also indicates this when he affirms the fact that he is not omniscient in regard to his own second coming. In Mark 13, 32, Jesus says, Of that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Mark 13, verse 32. So only one person has this knowledge. That's the Father alone, indicating that the Father alone, that one person by himself is the only person who possesses this sort of knowledge. Jesus doesn't have it because Jesus is not omniscient, obviously. Now, on the cross, Jesus makes a quite clear and definitive statement in regard to his relationship with God. In chapter 15, verse 34, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's Mark 15, verse 34. So Jesus' relationship to God, according to Jesus, is that God is the God of Jesus. Jesus cries out to someone else and says, that person is God. That person is my God. And in doing so, he is drawing on and echoing Psalm 22 to where David had this relationship. David, the anointed king, also distinguished himself from God and looked for God to vindicate him from his time of trouble. So Jesus quite clearly is distinguishing himself from God, and he's indicating that that one person who is God, who is the Father, is the God of Jesus. And then a few verses later, we have one of the most unlikely persons to make the correct Christological designation of Jesus, and that is a Gentile centurion. And when he was standing in front of Jesus, he saw the way that he breathed his last. The centurion said, truly, this man was the son of God. Mark 15, verse 39. So he is making the affirmation that Mark has tried to indicate to the readers that is true, namely that Jesus is the son of God. He is the Messiah, that is the Jewish title for the Christ. And he also indicates that Jesus is a human being. He is a man, a member of the human race. This human being, the mortal that just died on the cross, was someone distinguished from God. So the most natural, obvious, self-evident conclusion, reading through the Gospel of Mark from start to finish, is that God and Jesus are distinguished. God and Jesus are not collapsed into a single person, into a single being. Jesus is never outright called God. And so, when Jesus does make the claim, I am he, based on the other 
occurrences of human beings claiming that self-designation, the most obvious reference would be to think that he's making a casual self-designation. But we have to look at the evidence to see if that makes sense. But again, that seems to be the most natural way that we would conclude the evidence that we have. Because when God says, I am he, when Yahweh says, I am he, he's saying that I am he, namely, I am a single person. Anihu involves singular references, two singular pronouns. Only one person can say, I am he, and mean that I am Yahweh. You can't have two or three persons saying that, because the reference, I am he, or ego and me, said out of the mouth of Yahweh, indicates I am only one person. And since Mark distinguishes God from Jesus, it seems rather unlikely that Jesus, in saying I am he, is actually making a claim to be Yahweh. But let's look at the evidence anyway. This moves us to our second point. Point number two, Mark's use of the self-declaration I am he. So the first time this appears is in Mark chapter 6. Jesus spent the day teaching, and the crowds were hungry, and Jesus divided the loaves and the fish. And after they were fed from this miraculous multiplication of food, he sends the disciples off in a boat. Later in the evening, it says in chapter 6, verse 49, that the disciples saw him walking on the sea. They supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke with them and said, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. That's Mark 6, verses 49 through 50. So Jesus is saying here, it is I. You could translate it as, I am he. It's from the Greek, egoimi. And again, the context that we have is that earlier in the day, we're told of this episode indicating that what is actually taking place here is later in the evening. Jesus just performed the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves of bread and of the fish. And so now Jesus shows up performing another miracle, the miracle of walking on water. It's actually a similar mastery over nature compared to fish and loaves of bread. We might call it a nature miracle. Now when Jesus makes this claim, I am he, in Greek, egoimi, the disciples, in their reaction, they don't think that they've just met Yahweh, the creator of the universe. They don't drop down and worship him. They don't uh, act in a way that indicates that Jesus is anything different than the person that they were just hanging out with a few hours earlier. So their response, of course, indicates that Jesus seems to be quite obviously making a casual self-reference. Basically, Jesus is saying, take courage. It's me, guys. You know who I am. Don't be afraid. And so it seems like the most natural way to understand Jesus' phrase, I am he, or it is I in my particular translation, is to regard Jesus as pointing to himself and pointing him out to the disciples. Don't be afraid. It's just me you know, the guy that you were just with earlier in the day. All right, 
So that's our first reference of Jesus saying, I am he, and it seems like a casual self-reference. The next one is in Mark chapter 13 in the Olivet Discourse. So the disciples ask about the temple and the signs of the end of the age. And Jesus responds by saying in chapter 13, verse 5, that see to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will mislead many. That's Mark 13, verses 5 through 6. So we have the same Greek phrase, egoimi, and we have Jesus here saying that others are going to come in regard to the context of this temple being destroyed. And during that period, many will actually come in Jesus' name saying, I am he. So it seems to me that this is a rather obvious self-reference. False Christ will arise. They will come in his name claiming to be him and to come, as Jesus puts it, in my name, saying, I am he, is to claim to be Jesus, a self-reference, even though this claim is obviously deceptive and false. Now, when we look at the historical account of the things that actually took place during this particular time that Jesus is talking about, the years around the time of the destruction of the temple, we actually have evidence of false Christ, false messianic figures, false prophets going out there and doing exactly as Jesus said. They're deceiving people. They're misleading people. They're lying to people. And they're making claims about their own messianic status. Let me read to you a little bit from Josephus in his book, The Jewish War, Chapter 2. Josephus says that there was also another body of wicked men that came together, not so impure in their actions, but more wicked in their intentions, which laid waste the happy state of the city, no less than did these murderers. These were such men as deceived, and they deluded the people under pretense of divine inspiration. But were for procuring seditions and changes of the government, and these prevailed with the multitude to act like madmen, and they went before them into the wilderness, pretending that God would there show them the signs of liberty. But Felix, who was the procurator at that time, thought this procedure was to be the beginning of revolt. So Felix sent some horsemen and footmen, both armed, who killed a great number of them. But there was also an Egyptian false prophet that did the Jews more mischief than the former. He was a cheat. He pretended to be a prophet also, and he gathered together 30,000 people that were deluded by him. And these he led all around from the wilderness to the mount, which is called the Mount of Olives, and he was ready to break into Jerusalem by force from that place if he could but once conquer the Roman garrison. So that's from Josephus's Jewish War, Book 2, paragraph 258 through 262. He indicates multiple persons here that were 
deceiving others, making messianic claims. They were under the pretense of divine inspiration. They were acting as prophetic figures, and they misled and deceived many people, thousands of people. In the case of this Egyptian false prophet, 30,000 people. And so Jesus is saying that, look, there's going to be many coming in my name saying, I am he. He says, they're false, they're deceptive, they're going to mislead people. Don't be misled by them. And that's exactly what happened. But in none of these messianic pretenders' claims were they announcing or suggesting that they were, in fact, Yahweh. In fact, we actually have the reference uh, in the earlier portrayal that these people were saying that God would there in the wilderness show them the signs of liberty. They were actually distinguishing themselves from God as they were going about doing messianic things. They were acting like messianic leaders. And of course, tens of thousands of people were following them. By claiming, I am he, or by making this self-designation, they were not claiming to be Yahweh. They were claiming to be the Jewish Messiah. They were making self-references. And their self-reference would indicate that I am the long-awaited Messiah. So that's the second passage. The third passage, I think, is the most important one in the Gospel of Mark because it comes at a climactic point in Jesus' trial, where Jesus himself actually makes his own messianic self-declaration. Prior to this, other people have been making claims about Jesus. So at Jesus' trial, in Mark 14, starting in verse 61, it says that Jesus kept silent, he did not answer. Again, the high priest was questioning Jesus and saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am he. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. That's Mark 14, verses 61 through 62. So the high priest repeatedly asked Jesus, Are you the Christ? the Son of the Blessed One, which actually in Greek mirrors the confession that Peter made earlier in Mark chapter 8. And so you might not be able to see that in English, but if you're reading it in Greek, you know that the confession that Jesus is going to make actually affirms the confession that Peter made earlier. So they ask him, are you the Christ, the Son of God, namely the Son of the Blessed One and Jesus obviously answers the question that has been posed to him. He says, I am he. The question is, are you the Christ? Jesus says, yes, I am he. And, oh, by the way, just to make it clear, I'm also going to distinguish myself from the power because I'm going to be sitting at the right hand of this power, the power being a circumlocution for Yahweh. I will be at his right hand. So Jesus is affirming the question asked, that's asked to him. Are you the Christ, the Son of God? Jesus says, yes, I am he. It is I. I am the one that you're clearly asking about. And Jesus, in doing so, distinguishes himself from the true God. The one person who actually can say, I am he, meaning I am Yahweh, the only true God. So I know a lot of people like to read into 
Jesus' statement here in Mark 14 and assume that Jesus is claiming to be Yahweh, but actually on close inspection, that seems to be a severely misguided reading and it seems to be somewhat dishonest with the plain reading of the text. Mark distinguishes God from Jesus. Human beings can say, I am he, as a way to casually agree with the question that's being asked. The question is, are you the Christ, the Son of God? And Jesus says, yes, I am he. So in conclusion, we have observed that within the Gospel of Mark, God and Jesus are regularly distinguished from one another. They are two different figures. They are two different beings. They are two different persons. Mark is not trying to convince his readers, therefore, that Jesus is the same person as the one who is repeatedly distinguished from Jesus. God and Jesus, according to Mark, have not been collapsed into a single being. We also observed that Jesus does, in fact, use the phrase, I am he, which in Greek is egoimi, multiple times in the Gospel of Mark. In each instance, the clearest, most obvious, and safest reading is that Jesus is making a casual self-reference, alerting those with whom he is talking that he is indeed the one they're talking about, the one they are familiar with. You're asking a question about who Jesus is? He's saying, yes, that's me. In other words, when the Mark in Jesus says, egoimi, or in Greek, I am he, he is certainly not saying that he is Yahweh, the only true God. Because in Mark, Jesus is Yahweh's son, the Messiah. Jesus is God's anointed king of the kingdom. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Join us next week as we continue our study of the passages where Jesus makes the self-designation, I am he, by focusing on the Gospel of Matthew. Please look forward to our next episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting us as we aim to promote the sound truths about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. You can support us absolutely for free by subscribing on YouTube and iTunes, by giving us an honest review online, and by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. If you'd like to offer a donation, please check out the episode's description for a link to PayPal, or you can subscribe with the membership on the YouTube channel. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, please take care.